Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tigris. I'm your host, Nadia Okamoto, and I'm really excited for this episode because this podcast episode is about periods, and periods are my favorite topic to discuss, but also, as the haters say on social media, um, periods are my whole personality. So (laughs) we're going to dive right in. Um, I also think that why I'm excited for this podcast episode is that this is 10 years in the making, because in just a couple weeks on December 26th, I am celebrating my period anniversary. So period anniversary is something that I have been trying to make a thing on TikTok and in pop culture. And that is simply getting people to celebrate the day they got their first period. I think similarly how we celebrate the day we were born into this earth. Periods make human life possible. And I feel like the opposite of a culture where people are dreading getting their first period is changing it so that instead of dreading that first day, it is the beginning of so many beautiful things, including an annual celebration of a period anniversary, but also like the day you are entered into this community of menstruators around the world and throughout history. I also think that getting your first period in that community means that you also stand in solidarity against patriarchal systems and beliefs that have riddled societies around the world um, for throughout centuries. So that's that's basically what I'm trying to get at. Okay, so period anniversary is coming up. I got my first period on December 26th, 2010, when I was 12 years old. 
and it is a day that I think about often, uh, probably because my work is in periods. Um, and if you've ever read my book, the whole introdu- introduction of my first book is the story of my first period. So I'm all about revisiting the story of my first period the experience, learning more about it. And every time I get my period now, I think a lot about how much has changed and how much I have learned since that first period. So let's just, I'm just going to kind of quickly talk about my first period first. So from ages like nine to 17, when my mom moved my sisters and I out to Portland, Oregon, but my dad was still living in New York, um, by our court documents or whatever parental visitation things that my parents sorted out, the day after every single Christmas, my sisters and I would get on a plane and fly to New York. So December 26th for eight years um, until I lost contact with my dad. For eight years, December 26th was the day that we packed all of our bags, packed our like some of the Christmas presents my mom got us, and we got on the plane to go to New York. And it was always a really, really stressful day because, you know, We didn't have the most comfortable behavior uh, at my dad's, and that's not something I think we had really understood or come to terms with yet. So there was a lot of emotion and anxiety, and I think just the nature of going between parents who hate each other and talk shit about each other is always nerve-wracking. So December 26th was already a stressful day, okay? But... Basically, I before I go to the airport, I or if I'm anxious, I always need to pee more than I usually do. So I started to feel like, damn, I need to pee. Like, let me pee before we get in the car. I run to the bathroom. I pull down my pants, and it's basically a glob of brown goo. Like, it just looks brown, but it also is like a little bit of red. Like, it was definitely not poop, but it kind of seemed like maybe I was bleeding out from the inside. And I basically thought that I was dying. Like, drama queen to the max, thought that I was dying. The funny part of this though, or not the funny part, but like the sad part of this is that I knew what a period was. Like I hear so many stories of people getting their first period and being really freaked out because they've never heard of a period, right? Which breaks my heart, right? It must be so terrifying to look down at your pants, see blood, when you've never heard that blood can come out of your vagina or you don't even know what a vagina is, right? So I feel like on the spectrum of nine-year-olds, prepubescent um, menstruators. I felt like I was more prepared than some of my peers about knowing what a period was. I had seen period blood like in my mom's stuff. And yet when I got my first period and look down and see that, my first instinct is to think that I am dying, is to think, uh, is to feel like something is really wrong. The good part of my upbringing is that I grew up with a single mom and two younger sisters. We shared one bathroom. So it was very comfortable, like maybe a little bit too comfortable where we would just, you know, be walking around the house naked. Like if I was on my period, everybody knew it. So my reaction to freaking out, getting my first period was to take off my underwear and bring it to my mom. Basically, like, make a big deal about thinking that I'm dying and showing it to her and saying I'm either dying or I just shit my pants because, again, period blood can be brown. Um, My mom, of course, starts to celebrate that I'm a woman uh, and she gives me the liners that she's been saving up for me for a long time. And that day, like, literally a few minutes later, we had to get in the car and go to the airport where I was going to be with my dad. 
So for the majority of my first period, I was spending it with my dad. And to be honest, I don't know what happened because I just completely blocked that out of my memory. I have no memory of like that actual the duration of my first period in New York with my dad. Um, but yeah, so that's my first period story. And damn, like 12 year old Nadia, who is getting her first period, could have never imagined that menstruation would become my career. Like, I get a lot of questions in interviews or press from people who say, have you always been confident about your period? Have you always been passionate about destigmatizing periods? Absolutely not. When I was 12 and I got my first period, I was scared. I had so many questions and I, I felt like I was just at the beginning of figuring out like what it meant to be confident in my body, right? And so a lot of I think the learning curve that I've experienced over the last 10 years and even today is still working on de like dismantling a lot of the period shame and stigma that I that I had conditioned into me even growing up in a feminist household. And that's because the world that we live in is not inherently like an empowering one for menstruators. Even if the conversation around periods was open and comfortable in my own home, I would go to middle school and in middle school, you know, the boys were the boys were still fighting tampons in the girls' bags, throwing them around, pushing the tampons out of the applicators, making fun of people for being on their periods, um, you know, creating PMS, being moody, being a quote unquote pussy all as a joke. Um, so that was still the culture that I was experiencing at school, right? So in no way did I grow up in the first few years of being an active menstruator with my period thinking that I was going to make periods my career. I mean, looking back at this time, I was watching Glee. Uh, I think I was watching Grey's Anatomy. I had a specific interest in like law school the United Nations, I was like very excited about, very passionate about international relations. Um, but there was no part of me that was like, oh, like being a feminist or an influencer is a career or a possibility or taking this experience I have of getting my period is going to be the thing that I commit my life to, right? That that kind of evolution of the identity I have as a menstruator and it becoming my passion didn't happen until four years later. So in 2014 is when I first learned about the issue of period poverty. And it was really through direct conversations I was having with homeless women to and from my way to school at the time. And, you know, I've talked about this very widely, but at that time, my family was experiencing financial and housing instability. So this was a time where I myself as a young woman, as a young menstruator, was thinking a lot about what are necessities, what are basic necessities, why is my family in this situation, what are the effects, how are we thinking about what are necessities and what we need to afford. And so in a lot of the conversations that I was having, and just I think in the general curiosity that I had in the world, these questions about essential goods, necessities, poverty, um, spectrum of privilege and wealth were just things that were at the forefront of my mind. So hearing about period poverty from um, primarily homeless women who were experiencing it firsthand was honestly initially a shock to me. I had never thought of the issue of period poverty. 
But also, um, it was a big privilege check for me because it was realizing that even in the times when I, um, you know, even in the times when I was struggling with this, you know, self-imposed idea that my family is, you know, the scholarship family at my high school. We cannot afford anything. We're living with our friends because we can't afford um, to live in our place. Like, I think having a lot of that self-pity, hearing about the issue of period poverty was a big privilege check because it was realizing even in the um, times when I might feel that way, or even in the times when money has been a big stress for my family, I've never had to worry about where my period products are coming from. And a lot of it was because I had a menstrual cup at the time, but also because I knew that my, that I knew that that was a necessity that was covered. And it was really through conversations with my mom that was like, wow, like I've never heard of this issue. I've never talked about it. Like, why haven't I thought about it? And hearing the stories from these homeless menstruators who were telling me about how they used toilet paper and socks and brown paper grocery bags and cardboard to take care of their first period. So to be honest, it was just like being 16 years old, I think coming into, you know, 2014, which is, I think really when we started to hear from the political world, a lot of messaging towards young people saying, young people are the ones who are going to step up. Young people are the ones who are going to be the, you know, integral voters of the 2016 election, right? I think I, it was this whole context of being like a young budding feminist growing up in a, um, a family of all menstruators where we were very open about these topics, feeling the clear discrepancy between that culture at home and the one that I saw in my middle school where periods were like the butt of the joke, where I could get out of every gym class by, um, by just saying that I was on my period. And then also learning about this issue that gave me an insane privilege check, but also ignited this like intense curiosity within me. And uh, basically, I've been obsessed with periods ever since, and um, it's something that I can always talk about, and I've, I just I feel more passionate about than ever before, even eight years into my career. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Wait, no, is it eight years? Yeah, eight years because I'm 24 now. So eight years into my career. So, oh my gosh, wait, it's not even my 10th. Is it my, wait, I got my period in 2010. It's not my 10th period anniversary. It's my 12th period anniversary. Okay, clearly I can't do math. I have not done math since high school. <laughs> okay. I got my period in 2010. It is now 2022. It is my 12th period anniversary. I cannot believe I'm realizing that now. I think it's because I was thinking in my head like, oh, I was 12 years old. Now it's 2022. 12, 22. Okay. Stupid, stupid. My bad. 12th period anniversary. So 12 years ago, I got my first period. Eight years ago, this became my whole career. Like my, the nonprofit that I ended up starting um, to address period poverty and really focus on that issue was founded in December 2014. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. And, you know, again, when I started the, uh, when I started the organization, my idea of periods was so much less evolved when I was just starting than it is now, right? Like, to be honest, I had never heard the term menstruators. I did not use the term menstruators because the idea of needing to be gender inclusive around period talk had just never crossed my mind. I also had no friends who identified as trans or non-binary. Now I feel like uh, almost like the majority of my friends are some sort of gender fluid or gender queer. But at the time, like saying pronouns in a classroom or pronouns, um, you know, pronouns in every sort of uh, social situation or in school was not really the accepted or expected thing at the time. And I think because of that lack of exposure, like I did not think about being gender inclusive on my on periods. I think also when I started this, I was just scraping the surface on being really passionate about getting people period products, primarily in the US. And I had not learned about endometriosis, PCOS, PMDD. I had not thought of that yet. I also did not show my period blood or make period content on social media until six years into my career when I started August. Before that, um, when I was originally starting, I was talking a lot about period health, period access, but I wasn't as focused on destigmatizing period blood. And I think that, you know, I still continue to learn so much about this issue today. Um, and I feel like I still have so much more to learn. And I think that, you know, I've gone through a lot of my own unlearning and learning on intersectionality and the history of the stigma and did a lot of independent study work when I was at Harvard as an undergraduate um, about the history of the stigma. And I think that that was really, really integral into thinking differently about a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of where the period stigma comes from, which I think has informed a lot of the work that I do now in pop culture, on social media, um, you know, in social campaigns. But again, like I think when I started my, you know, my passion, my career in this field, it was very much only focused on period product accessibility, right? It was, I learned that people needed period products. So just like, you know, homeless communities in Portland, Oregon need food and like non-perishable foods, 
uh, the church or the school would collect these different drives of canned foods and um, you know, we would have these coat drives in the winter. And so a lot of where I started the work was with that, to me, obvious connection of people need something, I can do drives or do fundraisers or bake sales and get them period products. Then a few years of doing that as an organization, when we had started using social media and we started finding this community of primarily other young people who were also just learning about period poverty and wanted to do drives and host packing parties in their own communities, I started to also learn about policy and be passionate about the world of policy. This was like 2016, right? So there's a lot of parallels with what was happening in the political world at the time. So I started to have this anxiety over realizing that the direct service work in nonprofits that I was doing felt like it would have no um, long-lasting effect because it wasn't systemic change. And so I started to become really passionate about this effort of if we're going to create systemic change, we need to change the system itself. Ideally, nonprofits in the period space don't have to exist because period products are free for everybody like they are in Scotland, right? I think that a lot of a lot of that was really important, right? And so I was really passionate about the policy side. And again, I think I've learned a lot um, in my career just by doing, like learning on the job. And I think that there's a lot of pros and cons to that. So again, learning on the job, being really passionate about products and policy. And then there was this, I think, this third evolution of my um, understanding of the issue and approach to the work where it was working in policy, doing lobbying, working with legislators, talking to really high up legislators like governors and presidential candidates and realizing I can't even talk to them about policy or they don't believe a piece of legislation like this would pass because public opinion isn't there yet. So is there this, you know, precedential, is that the right word? Or like, come before, there's this step before where legislation and legislative advocacy is really important, but in order for it to get passed, in order to create a culture where those legislative items would move forward, we need to change public opinion. And changing public opinion requires education education on period poverty. But oh, we can't even talk about period poverty really in depth when people can't even say the word period, when periods and period blood are seen as shameful, when we still live in a world where the majority of U.S. states have a sales tax on period products considering them non-essential goods, right? So I think a lot of my career came from, okay, only products. And the more I learned, changing to be like product, direct service, uh, policy, policy, social campaigns, awareness. And then through that awareness side is I think really where I started to find really incredible intersectional community and where I started to be really humbled every single day, even still today, about how much I do not know, right? Like, I still think that I, as a cis menstruator, I don't and will not ever understand what it means to be um, trans and have gender dysphoria and get a period. But I want to surround myself with menstruators who are trans and have that lived experience and want to see change in this industry. Um, there, I made the really big leap of changing from the nonprofit side of the nonprofit sector to, um, the private sector. And a lot of what informed that decision was, um, learning about, learning about and working with a lot of the companies in the space. When I was running a nonprofit, the majority of our funding and then the millions and millions and millions of products that we would get 
um, d donated to the organization to redistribute were from the largest manufacturers, the largest companies in the period space. So I got to learn a lot about the products, but I also got to learn about the values behind those companies and create theses and conclusions in my head of where I did not align with those values and conclusions of how I thought the industry could be more ethical and sustainable and transparent, right? So I think my career has been very unexpected. And I think that like, I still feel like I'm learning so much and I'm just scraping the surface of it. I feel like I just in the last couple of years have come to this like really deeper level of being unapologetic about my periods, like being open about period sex and period blood and showing period blood on social media, um, like creating a following of millions of followers on TikTok, which is very new still. Like I started TikTok a year and a half ago. Like I'm still very, very new to this. And I, I feel like the more and more I, I learn, the more I get hate on social media for what I show, the more I fuel the motivation and fire that I have to keep doing this work and showing those powerful visuals. And I feel like I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm very excited for it. I think that like I have these much larger goals in policy, but also in product development and research and like I'm very, very hyped about product development because I think that I know that the tampon has been very minusculely innovated upon over the last 100 years. Like we have so much more work to do on product innovation. So, but I also know that in order to get there, it costs a lot of money to do that. It also costs a lot of um, resources invested in changing culture so that menstruators are more open to trying new products, right? So like, I, again, I'm very excited about the work that I'm doing right now. And I feel like it's the beginning of opening up doors to talk more about legislative change and product development. And I feel like I am humbled every day by learning from other people in this community in the menstrual movement who've also devoted their career to this, but also, um, you know, just to the work around talking about the experience of different marginalized communities or identities who get their periods, whether that be um, addressing ableism in the period space, talking about getting your period in different careers as a blue collar worker working in a warehouse and not having uh, unlimited bathroom breaks, right? What is the experience of having your period there? What is the conversation around having endometriosis or ex like extreme period pain or uterine fibroids? Um, what is it like to have autism and get your period, right? Like, I think that we are, we have so much work to do and I am so excited for that. So, here today on my 12-year period anniversary. I cannot believe I've been making content about it being my 10-year period anniversary for, for the last few days, and I can't believe I'm just doing the math right now, and I can't believe that nobody caught me doing the math incorrectly. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about it, but 12 years into my period, and I feel like we've got a lot more work to do, but I'm so excited for it, and um, I feel like I, I still have like little bits of period shame even in my own heart to work through, like especially around intimacy, um, in, especially in, in intimacy and period sex. Like that's still something I'm like nervous, embarrassed, uncomfortable with. And I've been talking about it openly because I think that it is a huge part of what I want to work through, right? Like that is in the most private times, like I still feel shame there, right? And I, I'm really self-critical and really interested in unpacking that. I think another part of it is I, I, while I free bleed at home, like there is a part of me that does not want to free bleed or bleed through my clothes in public. And even if I'm out in public and I free bleed, which happens sometimes, 
um, if I get my period unexpectedly, I still have this like, oh, I'm trying to own it. I'm trying to own it. But like, there's a part of me that's like, oh God, oh God, like someone get me a sweater to cover up, right? So I think that there's a lot that I'm still unpacking and I'm really, really excited to do that work. And overall, I'm just feeling really thankful. Like, I mean, time, I feel like I've lost concept of time in many ways, right? 10 years, 12 years, you know, <laughs> the last two years of my periods have been in a pandemic. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm really excited and thankful for the future, for the past of my own career in periods. It's been such an unexpected journey. I could have never, like 12-year-old Nadia could have never imagined that this would be the thing that became what I was passionate about. But here I am. It's something I've been so deeply passionate about for the last eight years, and I'm ready to keep working. So you know, periods aren't something I really talk about on Tigris. I feel like Tigris is the place where I talk a lot more about mental health and like where I am in my life. But given that December 26th is right around the corner and hashtag period anniversary is going to be a thing, um, I'm excited to uh, to just reflect on it. And I will be back next Wednesday and hopefully every Wednesday after that with another episode of Tigris. So stay tuned and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.